0: In this episode of Desert Island Torah, we have the Zakhut of speaking to Rav Michael Olshin, and an al and educational director of Yeshivat's Torah Shraga. He has over 25 years of teaching and administrative experience and has previously taught and directed programs at Yeshiva Rishit, Shalvim and Bet Midrash Latora and served on the educational staff of NTSY, NTSY Kolau, and Camp Masora in the US. He also is an educator and guide for J Roots, a leading provider of educational journeys to places of Jewish heritage and has guided groups in Poland and all over Europe. Thank you so much, Rabbi Olsham, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So it's Desert Island Torah, three pieces of Torah that you would take to a desert island. What do they mean to you? Why are they so important to you? Really looking forward to learning and finding out your three pieces. So if we jump right in, should we go with your first piece?
1: Uh, yeah, just maybe before I, I share the first piece, um, I was just thinking about this concept of uh, Desert Island Torah. Um, I, I do quite a bit of guiding in uh, in Poland, Eastern Europe. Um, and when thinking about Desert Island, it, it comes to mind, I, I'm primarily a storyteller, more, I guess, as my, the way I educate is through stories. Um, and one of the stories we often share when we're in Poland is the story of Valentin Potocki, actually, who was just his, I don't know when this is going to be um, aired, but just on Shavuot was the, on the second day of Shavuot, in Chutzaritz, it's the, was the yard site of uh, the Gert Sedek, Valentin Potocki, as he was known, became known as Avram ben Avram, And uh, he was, because he had converted to Judaism, the, uh, the Polish authorities, Polish Lithuanian authorities had uh, um, threatened him with death unless he converted back to Christianity. And his mother, who is this, uh, uh, you know, the, the a very prominent royal family, one of the wealthiest families in Poland, pleaded with him to just pretend, just pretend to uh, to convert back to, Jew- to Christianity. Didn't really have to do it. Um, and she would buy him an, uh, an island where he could live by himself and, uh, you know, live as a Jew as he wanted to be. And she would have the comfort of knowing that her son was alive, even though she would never see him again. Um, And so the Lubavitcher Rebbe actually um, was once approached by a couple who had tragically lost their child. And they could not be consoled. And they came to the Rebbe to get some words of of comfort. And what he had shared with them um, was, you know, if I told you that you're your child was off on some island, off by himself, you would never see him again, but he is alive and well, and well taken care of, he has everything that he needs. Would that comfort you? And they said, yes, that, that does comfort me. Just like just like the mother of Valentin Petotsky would have been comforted that knowing her son was alive, even if he was on some desert island, um, never to be seen again, but just knowing that he's alive would be comforting to her. Um, and so, this couple said, yeah, it would be comforting to us if we knew that our son was, you know, was taken care of on this, you know, place that even though we never see him again, he said, and that's what it is. That the, the next world is like that desert island where you are, everything is taken care of, you have whatever you need, you, you will not see him again, you are not see your child again, but understand that in this next world that he's in, he is, uh, he is has all his needs taken care of, and uh, he is... Um uh well well looked after and and that that, that served as a comfort to to uh, this parent who tragically had lost their child. Um, the first torah that I would uh, would uh, w- one of my favorite torahs that I would like to share um, is uh, really a piece from rough cook. i'm not I'm no expert in rough cook. In fact, I can say I'm no expert in many, many things. Um, but uh, Rav Kook, something that I learned when I was uh, a student in yeshiva that really resonated with me um, was uh, Rav Kook was commenting on the Pasuk in Sefer Um In the context of the of the terrible things that may befall the Jewish people, the Torah says that this is going to happen as a result of not having served God with simcha and tov leivav, out of joy, and tov leivav, of contentment, um, with the abundance that they have received. And Rav Cook is, is focusing on what, what is the difference between simcha and tov leivav? It sounds like they're synonymous things. What is, what is simcha? What's tov leivav? Um and of course there's two different things simcha is the feeling of joy of of happiness one gets when uh, is enjoying a, a pleasurable activity Tov levav is a sense of contentment is a sense of feeling good about yourself that i know that i'm doing the right thing and often in life we could be experiencing doing something that we feel joyous we're having we're happy we're having a good time and we may not be doing the right thing at that particular moment. We may not feel good about ourselves, but we're, you know, we're having a good time. We're laughing. We're, we're you know, it's, it's an enjoyable activity. And on the flip side, sometimes we have uh, situations where we are feeling we're doing the right thing. We're engaged in something that's meaningful and it's correct. And, and I know this is right, but I may not be happy doing It, it may not be fun for me. It may not be enjoyable. So the, the key in Avotis Hashem is to serve God with both of those things, with both with simcha and tov leibov. So he, he asked, like, how do we get to that state of simcha? Okay, we can understand tov leibov. We know this is what God wants of us, and we're doing it, and we've had that sense of contentment, um, feeling good, but we're not necessarily enjoying it. How do you get to the point where you have both simcha and tov in the service of God? And he he says it can happen, he's references a Rashi in that same uh, parsha where there's a repetition many times in, the, in Sefer Dvarim of Hayom. Hayom, Hayom, Hayom. God is commanding us today. What do you mean today? God commanded us at Harsina, he didn't command us today. So Rashi comments in many places, Hayom, kichadashim. Right? Today, it should be in your eyes like it's something new. Um, and he says the feeling of getting something new is something where you feel that it's This piece is found in Musa Avicha, in the chilek of called uh, Giras Hashem. It's in the first chilek. It's the last piece. Uh, it's uh, Oshes, Ches, uh, um, where he comments, he, he, the la- language is, But the language is, That when a person gets something new, so he's not he's not he hasn't had the experience before, especially when you get something new that you don't expect, you don't you feel you don't deserve. The service of God is should be something where a person feels like this is so way beyond beyond me. It's so beyond what I am worthy and deserving of that I can have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch So when a person, on the one hand, he he can feel the sense I'm doing the right thing, but when he really thinks about it and he says, one second, HaKadosh Baruch wants me, wants to have a relationship with me? Like, who am I? What? I I'm nothing. And, and yet HaKadosh Baruch chooses me out of out of all, all the existence I am a benzocha to be chosen to be a Jew and can engage in God in such a meaningful way that is so drug that me madre gati. It's so beyond anything that I'm really worthy of. Um, this, this is such a powerful idea. Um, I, I think it's also, it also finds expression, um, the... Those who studied Daf Yomi not too long ago were were learning Mesechat Sota just uh, right before it. Um, Shavuot Also completed Mesechat Sota, and the Gemara there in, in Daf Mem uh, is talks about the the that has become Modim derabanan when we uh, when the when the um, when we have a repetition of of the Amidah of the Shemona Esrei. Um, so the the Tzibur the Congregation recites Modim and as the chazan says Modim in his in his uh, repetition of the Shlach Tibur, and the Gemara, their comments gives many different opinions, different amarayim who are saying what is this essence of the twila, and they basically the whole twila becomes comprised of all the different statements by those rabbis, but they 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 say um, Modim Modim shanachnu no Modim l o k basar Everybody agrees with this concept that we're thanking Hashem and Modin What are we doing? Thanking Hashem? That we have the ability to thank Him. Wow, that HaKadosh Baruch was interested in my thanks. I thank you that I can thank you. Uh, I was uh, When I was in Yeshiva University, I was in Rav, Rav, Herschel uh, Rav Shechtashir, Shlita. And uh, that was—I made such an impression. Of me. the thing I remember more than anything else in that year was when we davened mincha afterwards, and I never had seen it before. That um, when when the chaz, when the during mincha and the chazars hashatz, so we said modim rabbanan, So so Rav Shechter bows at the beginning Modin to uh, Modin and modim Um Modim anachnu shanah Then at the end, also when he says shanach the modim he bowed again. Um, and that was reflective of this idea that we're just so thankful. That we can thank you. That Kodesh Baruch is interested in our thanks. It's a crazy concept. Um, you know, I, I compare it to when uh, when it's like, it was just a few weeks ago. It was Mother's Day in America, um, but uh, or it's a mother's birthday. Right, and a child goes up to the mother. It's a mother's birthday, and the child goes up to the mother and says to the mom, "Mom, can can you give me uh, um, ten pounds?" And the mother says, What do you need ten pounds for? And the and the son says, I I just need it. Can you can you give me ten pounds? And the mother ready, she gets it. She understands exactly what's happening. The kid wants needs the money because she you know, so sweet. He wants to buy the mother a gift for her birthday or for mother's day. And so she gives her the ten pounds and he goes out and he goes, gets a bouquet of flowers, brings home to his mother, right? And he hands her the bouquet of flowers and he thinks like he thinks he's so proud of himself, right? It's so did such a wonderful thing, but what did he do? He took what his mother's right took her ten pounds because he doesn't have anything of his own, so he can give her back something, and that's ex- exactly what what we our relation with Hakadosh Baruch Hu that uh, you know whatever whatever we are giving him is really his in the first place, but he gives us he lets us, allows us to have this feeling that we're doing the greatest thing in the world like wow you know I'm so good that I I do this that I that I follow Hakadosh Baruch Hu, when, in the end of the day, whatever is his, whatever is ours is his. We're just really giving back to us, bringing back to him what he's given us. Um, that I think is uh, such a perspective that we, if we have and remember, remind ourselves. That if I can remind myself, you know, every day we wake up, and even if you're on a desert island, to remember that you have this ability to serve a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That could be a very uh, uh, transformative idea.
0: Absolutely. Um, really, really important message um, and great choice. So should we move into your second piece?
1: Yeah. Um, so the second piece is um, it's not a Torah that I found in a particular safer, It's more of a story, which I think has, you can find this concept um, in in many different sources that, that may come across, um, it, it's a story of the Lelover Rebbe. the Rebbe was a, Rav David of Lel was a great great tzaddik. Um, There's a very very well known tzaddik today that goes around uh, Eretz Israel. He won't leave Eretz Yisrael. He goes around Eretz Israel and speaks in all over Israel, and he's become known all over the world. His name is Ramelech Biderman, and he's a descendant of he's a Lelover, son of the Rav David of Lelver. He was the first Rabbi of Lelov was buried in the town of Lelov in Poland, not far from from Auschwitz. But David of Lelov was a, a Talmud of the Chais of Lublin, and then uh, later of the of the Pshischa. Um One time he came, the Lelover came uh, into he maybe he wasn't Rebbe yet even. He came into base Midrash. It was like you know mid morning, it's like ten o'clock around that. And uh, he starts to you know unwrap his talas, he's been in Daven. And one of the fellows who was there, not a Hasidisha fellow, clearly, sees him and gets so annoyed in him. He's been he's in the base medicine. he's been sitting there for hours. And he just can't control himself anymore. He runs over to the lover and he says, I can't I can't understand you, Hasidim. Now you're coming to Davin? and now at ten o'clock? I've been sitting here in the base medicine since five o'clock this morning. I had a two-hour harusa before davening, then I davenate, and so now I've been learning for another two hours, and you're only starting your day now. Well, that's a chassid. That's, that's someone who thinks he's close to Hashem. So little of a very calmly says to him, listen, my friend, if, if you were learning b'shem kol yisrael, if your intention when you were sitting and learning and davening for the last five, six hours was you're doing it b'shem kol yisrael, on behalf of the entire Jewish people. As one uh, has the, we many many people have the minute, I didn't grow up with this minute, but after, since since I've become, uh, you know, uh, engaged in, in learning a little bit more, so I, I do try to say, whenever I'm about to do a mitzvah, shame <speaking in Hebrew> some people aren't comfortable saying that, but they can say the end of it, which is B'Shem <speaking in Hebrew> Yisrael. There's no problem saying that. Of that, I'm doing it in the name of of, of Am Yisrael. So if you were doing it in the name of Am Yisrael, so you covered me also, my friend. So I also was davening and learning the last four or five hours. Because if you were doing it, you did it in my name and in, in, in my behalf. So I'm good. And if you weren't doing it, the shameful Kal Yisrael. So I don't know if it really is really worth very much what you were doing the last five six hours. And like, whoa. That was such when i heard that story i actually heard it from Rabbi it's also in a safer Rabbi that was like wow that was such a such a like what a what a concept um and uh, i i've I have, i've yet to find a teaching that gives that exact exact lesson over um but i've discussed it with many many uh students of torah who. Feel like that this is like an bed of of understanding of Torah, um, uh, and and maybe you can find certainly a, 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 or that idea reflected in in the Gemara in in Kiddushin, on Daf Mem, where the Gemara says that a person should look at the world uh, as being half. Uh, meaning half the world the world is hanging in a balance that exactly 50-50 it's 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 guilty and not guilty it's good and not good the world is hanging in a balance anytime he engages in something he has to look at the world that maybe what I'm going to do right now is going to alter the world for good or if I choose not to do, if I do choose choose to do something that's inappropriate, that would be that will be tipping the scales in the world in the wrong direction. And so, the, sort of the the, the the weight of the world is is I, I, I carry on my shoulders little me, right? We just spoke about a Torah where I, I look at myself as nothing, and that Kodesh Baruch is still interested in me, even though I'm not I'm not anything to write home about. But here, a person at the same time. It's supposed to feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders like uh, like uh, he's some movie you know star a hero in a movie that if he, if he if he now he acts he can save the entire world and that's um that's the idea i think with the shame called yisrael that if i every time i engage in an activity i have in mind that it's just not it's not just for me it's the shame called yisrael it's such a transformative idea um I'll tell you, I, I, I'm just, uh, this past Yom Yishalayim, Um, we had, uh, in our yeshiva, I, 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 I'm involved with the yeshiva called the Yeshiva Torah Shuraga, and we had Rabbi David Miller, who's my rebbe also, who's the Rosh Kolel of Yeshiva University we share the campus with. So he spoke to a guy, he's telling his story from 1967, when he actually was a student in American Yeshiva University, and in 1967, right before the war broke out, all of the men, able-bodied men, were called up to serve in the army. And there was a shortage of manpower just to man the regular day-to-day activities in the country. It was just women and children and elderly people. So they needed help in the fields, and the, kibbutz. the kibbutzim had needed help just gathering the produce from the fields, you needed people delivering the mail. Driving the trucks to deliver the milk to the to the Makola and everything, so that it was a call to um, to world Jewry to come to Israel to help to volunteer. And Rabbi Miller said he he decided that the, that this this is the the ha this is the call of the hour. I have to go. He was a student. He, he picked up he may have been in the middle of finals that year, and he. You know, he got his parents' blessing, which wasn't so simple, and he and he came he, and he showed us a newspaper article that he was one of 38 people in in the, in the United States to get on a plane to go to Israel. Well, no one was going to Israel. 38 people responded, and it was it was unbelievable. And he he shared the rest of his story, which is also interesting. Um, but so I asked the I asked our students over the last uh, week since they heard that speech, which was such an unbelievable speech, and everyone was moved by it. I said, "Okay, would you be one of those 38? Would you do it? If if the situation Chassidshom presented itself today, would you go?" And you know, a number of students said, "Yes, absolutely, I would go." And that's what I think. I, I thought everyone would say, "Yeah, of course I would go. <laughs> of course I would go." But I was I was very surprised that there were. Number and not a small number of students said no, I, I I wouldn't. And I and I was thinking what 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 needs to happen what in our in our consciousness, in order for us to 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 be the people that will get up and go in that situation. And I think that this concept maybe will be helpful. To, that if I live my life as a Bisham kol Yisrael Jew, that if everything I do I do it in on behalf of Am Yisrael, on behalf of the Jewish people not just for myself, not just for my own family, but I have in mind, when I daven, when I learn, when I, when I do any kind of mitzvah, I'm doing it b'shem koyisrael. and it, I'm not saying um, I do it all the time, it's something that we can have that consciousness, so then I don't think it would be a question that if I'm a b'shem koyisrael Jew, that if that, there was a call to, to action, that Am Yisrael needed me to come and to help, then, then I would be there, I would be there. And not only that, but I think also if you'd be shame call you b'shem call yisrael, Jew, you would be so much more loving and patient um, towards other Jews who may not think like you, may not act like you, may not be as religious as you. But we're all in this together. B'shem kol yisrael. When I do it, I have you in mind. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna love you even if you don't do it yourself. I, I, I'm doing it for you also. So if a person lives his life like the Leliver and b'shem kol yisrael. I think uh, it, it it would just change so many practical things uh, in how he views the world and how uh, he would in responding to those calls to action.
0: Absolutely, um, super important message. I think you know the mission imperative. What tells us if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? And when only for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? Um, I think the attitude is super important to have Am Yisrael right. in mind. And I think Rabbi, Rabbi Sachs, um, of blessed memory, he said that simcha is never about individuals, it's always about something we share. And I think everything we do is on behalf of Am Yisrael, within that simcha.
1: That's right. The There's the a beautiful piece of Torah from Rabbi Shimon Shkap on, on the mission you quoted, which really I think reflects this idea that uh, that if a person sees his ani, me uh, If I'm just, if my ani is just me, then what am I? But if my ani is an expansive ani, um, it, it just my ani me is not just me, but it, me is also includes my my wife, includes my 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 children, includes my parents, my my family, includes my community, includes Am Yisrael. Oh, the greater a person is you know the, is the person who the more expansive his ani is and so i'm sure if if a, if a parent or a child or a sibling would say i need your help i need you to come now and help me in this situation even at risk to to your life you would do it in a second so if a person sees his ani is extending beyond that to to am Yisrael, so He's going to go, and I think Darcy, you're correct that that's uh, that's what's being expressed in that Mishnah, and that's uh, that's exactly what the, the message is for us.
0: Absolutely. So, should we go into your third piece?
1: Yeah. So, um, third piece is um, the the I mentioned just the idea of the person who's a gadol. A gadol is one who's who's has a greater sense of Ani. So I want to talk about a, a lesser-known Gadol and a Torah from him. His name is actually Gadol. His name is Gadol Eisner. Um, and I'm not sure many people have heard about him, but he's a person that I'm just fascinated by, and I wish I wish I had got a chance to meet him. Um, Gadol Eisner was a survivor of the Holocaust. He grew up in Ludge. Did you get a chance to go to Poland when you were in,
0: in I Europa? have been
1: to Poland. So, Rav Goodell Eisner grew up in Lodz. And he was a chassid, he's a he was a ger, chasid of the ger rabbi, of the Imri MS. And he there's so many amazing stories about him. And uh, if we had more time, maybe we'd share. Um, but uh, just maybe one, just to get an understanding of perspective of who this man was. Is um, when he was um, he was liberated in Buchenwald, and uh, when he was liberated by the Americans, the Americans uh, saw these emaciated people, and they had chocolate bars in them, and so they they started handing out the chocolate bars to the survivors, and obviously these people hadn't seen chocolate in years, and they were all running you know running and whole mob gathers around trying to get a chocolate bar from these soldiers right? people worried that they're going to run out I'm not going to get and everyone was crowding around to grab a chocolate bar but goddel was standing on the side he was no less emaciated no less starving than anyone else but he was standing on the side and he wasn't wasn't going to grab a chocolate bar so one of the soldiers turned to him and said don't you also want to enjoy the chocolate and he said because my pleasure is that the other person has has pleasure. Let him let him enjoy. That's what gives me joy. Let's uh, just understand what kind of person we're talking about. He uh, survived, he came to Eretz Yisrael and he was the in the Gary Yeshiva called Yeshiva Chidusha Arim in... Uh, Shiva Kadosh which was in Tel Aviv, actually. Um, he passed away in 1980 something, and uh, but left an unbelievable legacy, which was a profound educator, very close to the Ger Rebbe's, in the, base Israel, and the uh, and Leib Simcha, the Pnei Menachem, who was to him. Um, so he has this. Listen to this Torah. It's a very short piece, but it's so so such a. Such a thing," he said. Ma ben Frumer Because what, what's the difference between a, 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 frum, a, a Frumer, right, someone who's who's says he's from, and an erlechayet? What's the difference? The way we translate it is someone who is religious, but a Frumer. Is in when often in the Bali Musa talk about Frumer is not. Not in the most glowing terms. It's like someone who, uh, as you'll see, as he explains it, Um, it it gives like a certain edginess to him and his frumkeit. Erlecher is someone who has, is lives his, his carries his spirituality in a very dignified kind of way, often like a spirit, a a religiously integ with with religious integrity. What's the difference? He says a frumer. Tovea mikulam shiukamohu. The former demands from everyone to be like him. Ha'erlecha ain't lo rach But the erlecha, he does not demand from anyone else, only from himself. Erlecha yachol biyom tzom shalo, lemroach chema alalechem shal elu shalot tzameen. And erlika is somebody on, he is fasting, it's his fast day, he can still butter a bread for the other person who's not fasting. Um, such a sharp, sharp uh, teaching that uh, for a person who is taking upon himself, let's say he's fasting. And and not to share with that anyone else that oh I'm fasting today. Someone says I need can you bake you know a uh, child needs needs food and you can serve that child food or even an adult who's not fasting that day and you could still be in service of others without without them knowing that you are engaged in an activity that is holy and and is difficult for you. Um, that's what it means to be an Ehrlichar Jew. Ehrlichar Jew is like one of the highest compliments a person can receive. Um, Rav Gadol was a Gadol in the sense, like we spoke about before, like you mentioned, Darcy, about understanding that my isn't really so much about myself, but it's about including others. And if someone else is eating and is they're not fasting, then that's what I have to do. I uh, my I'm, a, I'm in service of them, not in service of my own uh, spirituality. Even I don't demand from others. Uh, they don't have. They can. They can be as as they are. And I can be demanding myself. It means if, for example, it's something that comes up often in in, in the, with the age group that I deal with, that uh you know. Guys, let's say, will be taken out to dinner in yeshiva, and their parents come, and their parents want to go to a certain restaurant, and uh, so the parents they're going to a restaurant where they, and this the child doesn't want to go to that restaurant, doesn't feel like the level of kosher is up to his standard, or that was what, his standard? He just started learning, just uh, he heard from a rebbe that maybe maybe it's better if you don't eat there, and so he, so he, an erlecher person again. I'm not. I'm not blaming 18-year-olds who are first year in yeshiva, second year yeshiva. They don't they don't understand that point yet. But we hope to we hope to give over the message, the right messages. That if you if you think that that for whatever reason you think that that's not kosher enough for you, so that's very nice. So keep it to yourself. You don't have to share it with anybody else. Um, so so order a salad. Don't don't order the the steak. Or you can't demand. Oh, let's. Go somewhere, let's go somewhere else you know because uh, which is maybe even a lot more expensive whatever the case may be that, that's that's a frumer that's not an e'lechah e'lechah is someone is like, okay you want to have a higher standard the simcha but don't they can't um, make demands on other people um, that's something you you just keep to yourself um, That that is live life in a on a high level, um, to have that kind of self-confidence um, uh, in in his relationship with with Hakadosh Baruch Hu and with others, to uh, to really um, keep, not have to show off his his uh, his level of religiosity. Um, keep it to yourself. Keep it it's no one, no one else's business. Just your own, and you and God. And to be, and then, and that, in that way, you're pleasant. You're pleasant to be around. You can people can enjoy your company, and you don't, uh, you're not demanding of them to live up to your standards, assuming that those standards are, are greater. And uh, you 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 make probably a great kiddush Hashem if, talking to myself if I would live like that just to. Religion is a private matter, as they say in, uh, in some countries.
0: Absolutely. Um, really important piece, um, an important message. Thank you for sharing. And thank you so much for coming on today and sharing really inspiring um, pieces of Torah with us.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Amisra. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtora at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.